chapter 2 today. We'll be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. And we're actually going to be spending two weeks on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. Um, I did not drink enough water this morning. So would someone be willing to run down and get me a cup of water or a bottle of water or something like that? Dean said he'll do uh, Jacoby says he'll do it. Good. Oh, oh, I got one right up here. Someone was thinking about me. You need the exercise, Jacoby. Get up and down five more times. It's very interesting being a pastor. People tend to treat pastors differently. When I'm out in the community talking, you know, there's people get to know me and there's this, you know, camaraderie. And then they ask me, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a pastor. And all of a sudden, something like switches. And, and they treat me differently. They stop using certain words. They, if they all of a sudden realize they're holding a cigarette in their hand. And they try to put it away. Sometimes they even like put it in their pocket while it's still lit. It, it's, it's fascinating what people do when they realize, oh, they're around someone who, who perhaps I shouldn't act this way. <laughs> Something's not working back there? Let me go, I'll be, put a pin in that. <laughs> I didn't even touch anything. You didn't? You didn't touch anything, Brooke? You sure? Yep. Sure. Okay. We tried hitting everything over okay, here. Okay, did you hit deactivate and activate? Done that, Troy. <laughs> hit activate again. That is really weird. Brooke, it's your fault. I didn't do it. You did it. <laughs> Tell you, you did it. Camera just kind of died. Maybe. <clears throat> Fascinating. <laughs> Fascinating. The audio still works. Yeah, the audio still works. Here you go. <laughs> Electronics treat me differently too when they find out I'm a pastor. <laughs> Not only do people like treat me differently, but they have this idea that pastors have a special connection with God. Even those who don't consider themselves religious, who don't go to church, who would probably say there's no God, they will come up to me and ask me to pray for them because they think that there's something special about this. Others will consider the pastor as the ultimate source of all things spiritual, because the pastor is the one who has studied. He's the one who has the degree. He is the one who knows God. Therefore, go to the pastor. Because he alone knows God, he alone can speak for God. The pastor alone can share the gospel, some people say. Pastor alone is the only one who can counsel others in the ways of God. It's interesting being a pastor and being put up on this pedestal in front of everyone. Yes, I as a pastor am here to share truth. I'm here to counsel those who need help, to correct those who are sinning in belief or in action. But as a pastor, you all would agree with me that I'm not a super Christian. We've had these conversations 
Everyone agree with him. My sister nods yes. <laughs> I'm just a sinner like everyone else, desperately in need of God's grace. I do not have ac- special access to God. The, the truth is, all of those who are spiritually mature can know and reveal the things of God. All those who are spiritually mature can know and reveal the things of God. Paul opens up his letter to the Corinthians, the first letter he wrote, recorded for us. He says in 1 Corinthians 1-2, he says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. He says, Corinthians, you are those who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are part of the family of God. You are just like all of those around the world who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And based upon that identity of being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, Paul calls the Corinthians to be unified. A unity that is based upon their identity, based upon the gospel, nothing else. And he reminds the Corinthians that the gospel is based on the wisdom of God, not on any supposed human wisdom. Which brings us to where we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. Corinthians, this is who you are. This is what you believe. You are to be unified based upon what you believe, so let me remind you what you believe. Now, he says in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 16, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare it's God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your amazing gifts, for giving us the ability to know you and all the things that you have in store for us. The ability to think your thoughts and to process things the way you do. The ability to act in a way that reflects you even in the hardest situations. Thank you for being the God who didn't just save us, but the God who is with us and calls us into your ministry. The God who strengthens, the God who comforts, the God who gives endurance. Lord, thank you for being who you are and giving us the ability to know you. That is truly an amazing, awesome thing. Lord, today as we study your word to know you that much better, I ask that I would decrease and that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Father. Amen. We're going to spend on this passage.
2 Corinthians chapter six, the 2, verses 6 to 16. Over the course of these two weeks, we're going to see that the spiritually mature can know and reveal the things of God. Today, we're going to discuss the first half, that the spiritually mature can know the things of God. To dive into this, I have to be a little academic and define two things for you. The first is I have to define what spiritually mature is. Spiritually mature, as one person wrote, spiritual adulthood uh, consists of perceiving that wisdom comes from God as a gift in Christ, which enables oneself to live responsibly and wisely for others and for the good of the whole community. This brings adult responsibilities. Uh, To boil that down, what is this man saying? He's saying spiritual maturity means that one is following Christ. It isn't just that one has turned from their sin and trusted in Christ alone for their salvation and said, I'm on his team. It's spiritual maturity adds to that. It means one is following Christ with their life, seeking his ways and reflecting his ways to the world around him. There are plenty of people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, but they're not following him. They're not spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity is opposite to what the Corinthians are at this time. At the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is going to bemoan the fact that the Corinthians are not spiritually mature. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ, and gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? The Corinthians are not following Christ with their life. They're following Christ spiritually for salvation, but they're not following him with their life. They're not seeking his ways or reflecting his ways to the world around them. Spiritual maturity says, yes, I'm following Christ, and I'm seeking his ways and reflecting his ways in the world around. Part of spiritual maturity is understanding what wisdom is. Those who are spiritually mature handle wisdom. Wisdom, we must define it as well. Wisdom is discussed a lot in Scripture. But one of the main areas that is discussed is in the book of Proverbs. Solomon in Proverbs associates wisdom with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, Solomon writes in Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For one to fear the Lord, one must respect God and then live accordingly. If someone says that they have a complete awe of God, and yet does not live according to God, but lives against God, that person does not have an awe or fear of the Lord, biblically. The demons know that there is a God, and they tremble, but they don't live according to a fear of God. Action must follow knowledge. Think about Job. He was described by God as a man who feared the Lord. Job lost everything. And through that, he refused to say anything disrespectful about God. Even when his wife came to him and said, curse God and die, and nagged him and nagged him and nagged him over it, he still refused to do that. So let's parallel this with wisdom. If to fear the Lord means to have an awe of God and live accordingly, wisdom has that same structure. Wisdom is knowing something and living according to that knowledge. Specifically, if you speak of godly wisdom, it means knowing the ways of God and living accordingly, which is why the quote earlier said that spiritual adulthood consists of perceiving that wisdom comes from God and enables oneself to live responsibly in the community. 
There are many people who know things, but they do not live according to what they know. There are many people who know the Bible, upside, downside, right and left, front and back, but they do not live according to what they know. These people are not wise, they're just knowledgeable. Knowledgeable does not mean wisdom. Most of the world is not wise. Why is that? Well, Paul tells us it's because God has hidden his wisdom since the beginning of time. The wisdom of God is found specifically through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, 1 Corinthians 2, 6-7, Paul says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Paul says that God hid his wisdom. That mankind could not know God by themselves because God had hidden his wisdom. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 16, verse 25, Romans 16.25, Paul says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. God hid his mystery and he revealed it through Jesus Christ. God did, has revealed himself through creation. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 how God, the glory of God, who he is and his ways is revealed throughout creation so that no one is without excuse. But his plan of salvation, his process of bringing people to himself so that they might know him and act accordingly was hidden since the beginning of time. Therefore, since the beginning of time, true wisdom could not be found if one could not have a relationship with God yet. However, since the beginning of time, humanity has tried to worm their way by themselves to God. Think about all the religions of the world that are out there. I've got several books in my office, all the religions of the world. It's fascinating to read. Each one tries to bring human wisdom into, to, bear, come to bear on knowing God. And if you study each religion in the world, there are aspects of truth in them. There's aspects of Christianity in all these religions of the world. Unfortunately, they do not contain true wisdom because if you follow them, these religions bring about spiritual death not true wisdom from God. Paul said a couple, last chapter, so a couple weeks ago when we studied it, that the human wisdom will not bring someone to God. In the wisdom of God, only God can bring someone to himself. So Paul says that God hid his wisdom. And he goes through and creates a list of where true wisdom is not found because God hid his wisdom. The first place that he says true wisdom is not found is in the rulers of the age. He, of course, is speaking of the political leaders of his time, but the same is true for today. Wisdom is not found in the political leaders of our society. And most everyone, if I talk with them, would agree with me and say, yeah, I know that. Never trust a politician. But I can guarantee, eh, guarantee is a strong word, Maybe I shouldn't say guarantee. But someone, most everyone, has someone in the political realm that they look up to. That they say, that person's got it together. There's some Republicans that look up to Donald Trump or George Bush or Ronald Reagan and say, that person's got it together. Some Democrats look up to Obama or, or, or Kennedy or FDR and say, that person had it together. But unfortunately, 
They're all human. They all do not bring wisdom, and they're all wrong because wisdom doesn't come from political leaders. No one in government has ever provided wisdom on how to live life, on what laws should be made, on anything, because no one in government is God. That's what it boils down to. Even though human wisdom is not found in government and policies, God does give wisdom to governing officials so that they cannot completely run a nation to extinction most of the time. But wisdom is not found in the rulers of this age. Not only is wisdom not found in the rulers of this age, Paul says that wisdom is not found in the wisdom of this age. He's speaking of cultural understanding. Every society and culture has a way of doing things. On Friday, I traveled to Omaha. I try very hard not to travel to Omaha. The people in Omaha are different. They live differently, they think differently. If they vote people into the state legislature, those people are different. Nothing against them, they're just different. I wouldn't vote for them, they're different. Oh, I I should keep going. The people on West Coast, East Coast, they're different than we are, and everyone would agree with that. They're different. They have a different culture. If you travel to Mexico, to Brazil, to Germany, to China, to Russia, to Korea, all these different nations, you will walk in, and the minute you step foot on their soil, you will notice that they are different. We agreed? Good. People are different. They think differently. They act differently. Every culture has a list in their heads of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. They have a list in their heads of what is considered right and what is considered wrong. Every culture has the phrase, but we've always done things this way. You can't do it that way. Every culture does. And every culture does not contain the wisdom of God. The question is not when you approach cultures, which culture is right and which culture is wrong. Because every culture is wrong. Every culture does not contain the wisdom of God. There might be aspects that show the truth of God, but the culture as a whole does not contain the wisdom of God. And that is hard for us to swallow sometimes because we don't want to admit that our culture in Nebraska or in Antelope County or in Neely is wrong, is ungodly even. But everything that comes from man is wrong. Everything that comes from God is right. Culture does not contain the wisdom of God. Culture cannot lead us in the ways of God. Wisdom is not found in the wisdom of this age. Wisdom is not found in the rulers of this age. Paul says that wisdom is not found in the non-Christians around us. Wisdom is not found in the non-Christians around us. Paul writes later in our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, he says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. This point can be even harder for us to come to terms with because we all have non-Christian family and friends. And all of our non-Christian family and friends have opinions. And many of these people are people that we have a lot of respect for. And we don't want to rub them wrong or turn them off. And when they say something, we want to listen to them. And, but while they can tell us some great stuff and great knowledge about life, They do not contain God's wisdom. And often because of this, they will ultimately lead us in the wrong direction because they do not know God and they cannot lead us in the godly way. 
Those who do not know Christ cannot lead someone in the way of God. They cannot teach us the truths of God and how to live accordingly because wisdom only comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. How do we know that wisdom cannot be found in our government, in our culture, or unsaved family and friends? Well, we could say that the simple fact is that Scripture tells us that that is true. But there is also evidence, unfortunately, because people's actions show that they don't have God's wisdom. Paul writes about the rulers of his age, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, none of the rulers of this age understood the mystery of God, the wisdom of God, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul lived during the time. He was a Pharisee. He knew the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He knew that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, his rulers, knew, excuse me, studied the Old Testament. They all had the prophecies, and they knew the prophecies. They knew when the Messiah would come. They knew what the Messiah would do. And so when the Messiah came, a certain small group of them said, that's it, and they turned and followed him, and they were ostracized. And the majority of the rest of the rulers of the Israelites, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, stirred up the crowd to have Jesus killed. They showed that they did not know the mystery of God. They did not have the wisdom of God. For all their study... They didn't know how to apply it, so they acted according to their foolishness. We could consider Pilate, another ruler of his day. He talked with Jesus. He believed that Jesus did nothing wrong. His wife had a dream that said that Pilate should not kill Jesus, and yet Pilate still bowed to the crowd, bowed to his own depravity, and crucified the Lord of glory. People's actions show that they don't have God's wisdom. Jesus said it this way. He was speaking about false prophets in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. But the principle can be applied to everyone. Matthew 7, 15 to 20, Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. People show that they don't have God's wisdom. And we should turn away and not find it there. But not only do people's actions show that they don't have God's wisdom, but their destiny shows that. Paul says something very sobering in 1 Corinthians 2.14, a verse that we read the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person without the Spirit, that is the non-Christian, they have refused to accept the gospel, they have refused to recognize common grace and the general revelation of God around them, saying that, no, I don't want to follow that God, I want to do my own thing. I don't want to surrender him to him with my life. The Bible says their destiny is destruction, their doom is hell, and they cannot understand or relate this things of the Spirit, because they don't have the Spirit, Paul says. One day we're going to enter into eternity by the grace of God. And those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we will walk through those heavenly doors, and God will say, welcome home, good and faithful servant. And on that day, we will leave behind every single person who had not turned to Christ. All those people we might have turned to for wisdom in this life, but they're not there anymore. And we see their absence, we wonder why, how God's grace that we're allowed ourselves in. Why would it be okay for us 
in living our life here on this earth to make those around us think that they are okay. They know that we are Christians, that we have the Bible and we believe it, that we turn to God for help. And so when we go and turn to them for wisdom, what does that tell them? But that they are okay. And that sense of being okay is going to land them in hell for eternity. Why would we do that? God has hidden his wisdom. And it's only found through him and nothing else. And we should be very careful to live like it is found through something else. But that's not the whole story. By God's grace, not only did he hid, hide his wisdom, but he has revealed his wisdom. Though humanity cannot give the wisdom of God, it's only found in him, he has provided a way that the spiritually mature can know the things of God. Paul mentioned several ways in this passage that, the spirit, that we're, how wisdom can be found. First, he says, wisdom is revealed through the Holy Spirit. Wisdom is revealed through the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in our passage, verses 9 to 13, and I can't cut that passage down, so I'm going to read the whole thing, 9 to 13. He says, it is as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within him? In the same way, no one, can know, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So many people, when they quote uh, verse 9 about what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, all this sort of thing, lots of people refer to that in funerals, in sermons about eternity. Uh, the, the, yes, it can be applied to eternity, the streets of gold and all the blessings, but Paul's not talking about that alone here. He is talking about our salvation. He's talking about our sanctification He's talking about a restored relationship that we have with the creator of the universe. He's talking about the ability, through, though we are a sinner, to come boldly before the throne of grace, to find grace and help in our time of need. He's speaking of strength and comfort that God gives, endurance and mercy, the ability to know him, the ability to love. It speaks about all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And all these things that he's prepared for those who love him, Paul says, is revealed to the people of God by the Spirit of God. It's like God has given us an instruction manual. And I hope I'm not getting into sacrilege right now. Have patience with me. I've bought a lot of furniture in my lifetime. A lot of furniture that has to be put together. You get it in the box, you open up the box, and everything falls on the floor. It's this mishmash of wood and bolts and screws, and, and you think there's times where they put it all together, those nice little pouches, but lots of times those pouches just come apart and just like all over the place. And you pick up this instructions manual, and this instructions manual is supposed to tell you how to put this piece of furniture together. Yes? Yes. But sometimes when you look at this instructions manual, you can't make heads or tails of it. There's all these pictures, and these pictures don't seem to... It's, it's, so you try to muddle your way through this furniture thing, and you hope when it ends up that it's how it's supposed to be. 
sometimes on the rare occurrence, you open up this package and there's this book in there. And it's a thick instructions manual. And it is step by step with words and pictures, detailed. And you praise Jesus that this is so. And you're able to put this instructions manual, to get this, no, no, this furniture together because of the instructions manual. God has given us an instructions manual to live life. And it's not this chintzy instructions manual over here. It is the detailed one. And it was created by the person who knows because it is the one who created all things. It's created by the person who created the moral code, who, who knows God himself because it is God himself, his spirit, who's given it to us. He created the rules and he calls us to come into the salvation which he's created. And once he, we turn to him in faith, the spirit is given to us, us which knows him completely because he's part of him. The instructions manual for knowing the wisdom of God. Unfortunately, so often, we forget that ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Corinthian church were so wrapped up with the miraculous gifts of the Spirit that they were neglecting the basic ministry of the Spirit. And in their emphasis on the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, neglecting the basic ministry of the Spirit, they were forgetting the Father and Son because it is the Spirit who reveals him to us. God gave us his Spirit that we might know him and that in knowing him, we might act accordingly. Wisdom, knowledge in practice. But not only is wisdom found, it revealed through the Holy Spirit, taught through him, but wisdom is contained in the mind of Christ. Wisdom is contained in the mind of Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 15 to 16. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. When we are saved, God performs brain surgery on us. We are able to think differently and respond to situations differently because God has placed Christ's mind in us. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 15. John 15, 15, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. The Holy Spirit helps us to know God. He convicts us to do the things of God and empowers us to live the way of God. The mind of Christ helps us to process and live the things of God. If you will, the Spirit provides motivation and will. The mind controls the actions. Paul says it this way in Philippians 2, 1 to 5. Philippians 2, 1 to 5, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement of being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others, in your relationships with one another. Doing all these things have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The same mind. He continues on in Philippians 2 to describe who Jesus is in this beautiful poem. And he says in verses 12 to 13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. 
God, through the new mind he's given us, or this new way of thinking, gives, is working with us so that we can know him and that we can act accordingly. Wisdom. He gives us wisdom through his mind. To have the mind of Christ means to look at life from the Savior's point of view, having his values, having his desires in mind. It, doesn't, it means to think God's thoughts and not think as the world thinks. So wisdom is revealed by the Spirit. Wisdom is contained in the mind of Christ. Wisdom is also received through the teaching of the mature. Wisdom is received through the teaching of the mature. Consider it Paul as he starts his passage, 1 Corinthians 2.6. He says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age. Paul's speaking a message of wisdom to the Corinthians. Remember the definition of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity means that someone is following Christ, seeking his ways, and reflecting his ways to the world around him. One of the marks of maturity is discernment, the ability to go beneath the surface of things and see things as they really are. The unsaved people walk by sight. They don't see anything. They are spiritually blind. The maturing Christian grows in his spiritual discernment and develops the ability with the help of the Spirit to understand more and more of the will and the mind of God. The Corinthians lacked this discernment. They were spiritually ignorant. But the spiritually mature can take what they know and then pass it along. The spiritual mature person is following the leading of the Holy Spirit. They're living according to the mind of Christ, and therefore they can turn around and teach the wisdom of God. It's not a wisdom that is in addition to the word of God, nor is it a wisdom that is a subtraction to the word of God, but it is a wisdom that is an application of the word of God. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that God gave the church pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. These people are just humans. Wisdom is not contained ultimately through them, but God has chosen to work through these people to reveal himself to others which is why we as a church need to take care that every pastor of this church, every teacher in this church, shows himself to be spiritually mature, someone who knows the way of God and lives them. They show wisdom. Finally, not only is, does God reveal wisdom through the Holy Spirit, not only is it contained in the mind of Christ, not only is it taught by the spiritually mature, but wisdom is freely given as a gift. Wisdom is freely given as a gift. Paul says of the gift of the wisdom from the Spirit in verse 13. He said, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The Spirit teaches godly wisdom. We know that anyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ has the Spirit. And then they are able to know the things of God. They're able to live accordingly. And there are some times when we reach situations where we don't know what wisdom is. Hard times are happening. And we don't know how we're supposed to act in this situation. We don't know what we're supposed to believe. In those situations, we're able to turn to God and ask for wisdom. James writes in James chapter 1, verse 5, James chapter 1, verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. James is specifically talking about wisdom to count trials as joy. But it's truth across the board. If we don't know how to act in a certain situation, if we don't know what we are to believe, if we don't know what it means to live godly, we turn and ask God, and he will give wisdom, whether it's through the ministry of the Holy Spirit or the mind of Christ or the teaching of the spiritually mature. 
God reveals wisdom. God hid wisdom, he reveals wisdom. So, all those who are spiritually mature can know the things of God. So what do we say? How do we apply this? It's great thing, knowledge to know, but then how do we then live? First off, we seek wisdom from God. We seek wisdom from God. We have an amazing privilege to know what has been hidden since the beginning of time, to have the mind of Christ, the ministry of the Spirit, to know what God has in store for those who love him. So why do we not pursue seeking wisdom from him? Why is it so much on the back burner of our life? Warren Wearsby wrote in his commentaries from Back to the Bible, he said, I suggest that you make time every day to read the word and meditate on it. Follow regular schedule in your reading and give yourself time to pray, think, and meditate. Let the Spirit of God search the Word and teach you. The study and application of basic Bible doctrine can transform your life. If we truly believe that we can know the wisdom of God, we should be seeking the wisdom of God daily. And remember, wisdom is knowledge put into practice. It's not knowledge to puff us up or to make us better. It is knowledge that we can live more like Christ. I appreciate what Doug Moo wrote He said, Paul's concern needs to be resurrected throughout the church. The gift of the Spirit does not lead to special status among the believers. Rather, it leads to a special status uh, alongside the world, against the world. But it should do so always in terms of the centrality of the message of our crucified and risen Savior. The Spirit should identify God's people in such a way that their values and worldview are radically different from the wisdom of this age. They do know what God is about in Christ. They do live out the life of the future in the present age that is passing away. They are marked by the cross forever. As such, they are the people of the Spirit who stand in bold contrast to those who are merely human and do not understand the scandal of the cross. Being spiritual does not lead to elitism. It leads to a deeper understanding of God's profound mystery, redemption through a crucified Messiah. We seek wisdom of God so we can know God and that our lives can change. So how are we doing in seeking wisdom from God? Is most of our time spent seeking wisdom from the world or entertainment from the world? Or are we seeking wisdom from God because that is the best thing in the world that we can think of? We should seek wisdom from God. Secondly, we should glory in wisdom from God. There should be an awe that comes from spending time with God and learning from him. If we lose that awe, we start lifting up various teachers. Or heaven preserve us, we start lifting up our own teaching and say, wow, this is great, instead of pursuing God. Perhaps we dive into what's called hyper-intellectualism, where we have an academic study of Scripture that replaces faith, and we say, oh, if I just study Scripture enough, I'm good. We forget Christ, the glue in every department of life. Or on the flip side from hyper-intellectualism, we dive into anti-intellectualism, where people don't read Scripture according to a defined wisdom of God, and they just flip open the Bible and say, what does, how does this make me feel? What does this mean to me? Instead of what did God say? And the church plays the role of a frightened, insecure institution, and not that of people who gather weekly to worship the God of all true wisdom. 
we're called to glory in the wisdom of God, knowing that we can know God and his ways concretely. We can know his order and his logic. We can see his power as he works through us to change us. We can turn around and reflect that change to those around us. I look at the last sentence that Paul writes in this passage, and I can just see the the wonder in his eyes when he says, but we have the mind of Christ. That which has been hidden since the beginning of time, we have it. Paul says, seek the wisdom of God. He says, glory in the wisdom of God. And he says, live the wisdom of God. I've said it multiple times. Wisdom is knowledge and action. Godly wisdom is the knowledge of God lived out in our lives. If we have the spirit of God, if we have the mind of Christ, if we have the teaching of the spiritually mature brothers and sisters, we should be living differently. If we are not living differently, if we say that we have the wisdom of God but is not revealed in our life, something is wrong. Something is very, very wrong. And consider what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2. He said, when you have the mindset of Christ and you're living all these different ways, he says, then you will shine among them, this warped and crooked generation, like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Can that be said about us? Are we searching and seeking the wisdom of God, allowing it to change our lives so much that we shine among the non-Christians around us like stars in the sky? Is that us? Can all those who have poured into this church boast and say that they did not run or labor in vain because of how our life has changed? Are we living the wisdom of God? Paul says that all those who are spiritually mature can know the wisdom of God. We can know it. Next week, we'll dive in and say that all those who are spiritually mature can reveal the wisdom of God, and that's the scary one. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that we can know you. Not just a a wondering and a mystery and a searching, and is this true or is that true? I don't know. But we can know you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word and giving us your gifts of the spirit and your mind. And Lord, you are good. Help us not to grow content in this life that we live, to grow content in our small amount of knowledge, to grow content that we have fire insurance. But Lord, teach us to seek your ways and to follow you, to know you and have our life changed by you. Thanks, Father. Amen.